I want to talk to you a little bit about can God count on you. That's going to mean a lot more in a little bit, hopefully. But I want to talk to you from the subject of is God counting on you? We talk about God being faithful. We talk about counting on God, amen. But I think you're going to find in the three questions that I ask you today a place where you and God can spend some time in prayer and get better, amen. How many want to serve the Lord with gladness? How many know that serving the Lord is faith? He's faithful? How many know that sometimes God tests our faith just so we can trust his faithfulness? Oh, I'm preaching already. Amen, somebody. All right, let's go to the word of the Lord. If you go to the book of Job, I bet you probably could have called that. Um, going to the book of Job, talking about a man who is faithful. Job went through some rough times. He had some rough days. But how many know if, that God provides in the moments that we don't even understand? And if it's his will, it's his bill. You heard that one? It's kind of corny. I apologize for the corniness of it. But if he guides, he provides, I could be here all day. <laughs> if it's his promise, it's his provision. So praise the Lord. Let's look at Job chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll begin reading. I'm going to read from the screen because today I just want to. Is that all right? Let's read from the Bible in the sky if you don't have a Bible with you. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Some people think that's Job when they first come to the Lord, but it's not. It's Job. And that man was perfected or perfect, perfect and upright, the one that feared God and eschewed evil or avoided evil is what that word means and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters his substance also was seven thousand sheep three thousand camels and five thousand yoke of oxen and five hundred she donkeys and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the east his house and place would have been uh, exhibited on cribs you know just that's that's how he, he had it going on and his sons went and feasted in their houses and every one of the, and everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Next verse. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone out, everyone say the party was over, were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early. How early? We don't know, but it was in the morning. So I'm guessing he got up early and offered what? burn offerings according to the number of them all for Job said it may be didn't know for sure but it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts thus did Job continually I want to talk to you a little bit about a man so righteous that he'll get up early and offer sacrifice just in case his children were sinning that's a righteous man amen he was not punished by God he was admired and looked upon and asked if Lucifer had considered the Lord's servant Job. So I want you to understand that there are some trophies in trouble. And that sometimes when you go through struggles, I'll let you sit in just a minute. I know you're standing. I got to stand the whole service. So it just, how about I sit down? You guys stay standing. We'll do that this time. There are some trophies in trouble that give you strength whenever you need it for your faith. Amen. 
Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm asking you to help us to recollect and recall and look back on our own abilities of faithfulness in you, Lord God. We realize that you strengthen our faithfulness just by our faith in you. So we're asking you to lift our faith. This message is an encouragement and a hope to somebody. I pray you've given me this message to to strengthen and empower somebody to be more than what they've been and go further than where they've been. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. In the Lord's house, amen. I'm very grateful to God that I learned what faithfulness was early on, and I had men and uh, women of God in my life um, that showed me what living for God looked like. And I realized early on because um, they taught me that God was able to be counted upon, that God was faithful, amen. And so when we look at the story of Job, I have to start with the understanding that God is good, and God is faithful, and God is holy, and he's just, and he's always on time, amen? There's not a moment where he's not sufficiently what he needs to be in my life. I guess overall throughout my entire life, going through everything that I've been through personally, and even the internal struggles that I went through as a young man, finding how to serve God and live for God, and going through Bible college, and living somewhat on my own, and finding the wife that I found, thank God for that, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, that I found out that I could count on God. Anybody know you can count on God? Let's ask David about that in Psalms 103 and 1 through 4. He said, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I want to say whole heart. Everything in me. I will praise him. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And I realized young that I needed to stack up the good things God had done for me because living life will make you forget the blessings of the Lord. Sometimes in the, in the trials and the struggles and the problems, you forget God's promises and you forget what he's already done. So you have to go back, dust off your testimony and keep on reminding yourself, God is good, he's faithful, he's everlasting, and he's good always. And, I, and, and so David goes on and said, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Anybody ever been forgiven? Anybody ever been set free from a disease? Amen. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love. How many know that love is a crown from God and tender mercies I'm thankful not just for mercies I'm thankful not just for hey you won't have to suffer the consequences but I'm thankful for a God who's tender to me and says you know what I understand what you're going through I'm going to help you and get you out of that situation thank God for a God who knows my sorrow my pain my struggle that's not so distant that I don't just pray to to some God in the ether and just ask God to touch me but he walks with me he talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. Amen, somebody. I'm grateful for a God who takes possession of me and my life. And he owns what I surrender to him. Isaiah 25 and 1 said, I honor you and praise you because you have done amazing things. How many have had God do amazing things? You have always done what you said you would do. Somebody turn to somebody and say, you can count on him. You have always done what you said you would do. You have done what you planned long ago. Psalms 63, David chimes in again, 3 and 4. He said, because your love is better than life, I will praise you. How many know his love is better than life? How many know his love picks you up at times? 
I will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in prayer to your name. How many know lifting your hands is a great place to worship God in a posture of praise? But when we lift our hands, he says, I've got a reason for it. He didn't even know the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ, but he knew Yahweh, Jehovah. And he said, I'll praise you because you're Jehovah Jireh. I'll praise you because you're Jehovah Nissi. I'll praise you because you're Jehovah Tishkenu. You're all these different things to me. But while I'm praising you, I want you to know it, it causes a response in my body. I've got to lift my hands when I think about his name. I've got to lift my voice when I think about what he's done for me. I've got to lift my hands in my worship to God. When I began to think about the presence in the name of God, I'm so thankful I know Jesus is Jehovah become our salvation. J-E from Jehovah S-U-S become our salvation. I'm thankful that God built a body and housed himself in it and God walked this dirt and this earth because I don't know about you, but sometimes I would look back on the stories of scripture and think God wouldn't really know what it's like if he didn't come and walk the earth with us. But because he did, he's acquainted with our sorrows. He's acquainted with our grief. He was tempted like we were but without sin I'm grateful for a God who walked through temptation I'm grateful for a God who went through it because I know he waited through he could pull me out of it amen I'm so grateful for David's revelation here about the name of Jesus and how it respond how I respond to it because you are my helper he said I sing for joy in the in the in the shadow have you ever had a dark moment where you only had a song I love the story. I hate to I hate to diverge, but I love the story of my grandmother passing on her bed of affliction, and she had all kinds of things going on in her body, and she had been very still for several several days, not really that responsive. And we went in with a guitar in her room. I did say guitar, right? Did I? I'm from the south. Whenever I say guitar, it kind of comes out guitar. But we went in with a guitar and all we had was Chris Tomlin and we sang How Great Is Our God. It was back a little bit, a little ways and we were singing some songs. We sang some songs that were her songs that she used to lead. And then I was like, Grandma, we're going to sing. She wasn't even responding. I didn't even know she could hear me. I was like, Grandma, we're going to sing one of the songs your grandkids love to sing. We just started singing How Great Is Our God, How Great Is. And I was playing guitar and the, all the grandkids started gathering at the door and we just began to sing. And, all, and some of them have amazing voices. We just began to sing and I looked over and grandma's foot is tapping on the footboard she's enjoying the song amen she was not able to eat she was not able to have a conversation but she still had her song Oh, that's so good. I'm telling you, when you get in the darkest moments of your night, when you get in the rough places, and when you get in the struggles, I want you to know that you need to hold on to that song. You need to hold on to that worship. You need to hold on to those moments where you said, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't even know if I have enough faith for this moment. But my God is faithful. I've got a worship in my heart. I've got a dance in my foot because I'm not praising him for my situation. I'm worshiping him because I know he's faithful. Amen and I can count on him and my grandmother's foot kept tapping and pretty soon it worked her way up her leg and then she started moving and then all of a sudden I said grandma you remember old brother Carnley how he used to sing I'm just warming up and it was a song about heaven brother Carnley he was old as, as dirt I think, he, I think he probably did the dishes at the last supper but he was a wonderful man of God he used, to, he used to love the Lord and he would get up and he would sing I'm just warming up for that meeting in the sky he would sing this old song and my 
my grandmother loved that song. And when I said, she hadn't talked now for four days. I said, Grandma, you remember old brother Carnley? How he used to, sorry, we used brother and sister back there. Apologize for that. But we used brother, and he said, you remember old brother Carnley? How he used to sing, I'm just warm. She sat up in bed. After her song and her shadow moment, she sat up in bed and said, oh yeah, I remember that song. And she was lively. She was awake. She was ready to worship. Her song, her worship, her faithful God brought her out of a sick bed. I'm telling you, the next day, she was sitting up taking nourishment. She was eating and talking and sharing with family because of her faithful God. She knew he was there because she felt his presence when we began to sing. I'm thankful for a God who comes to you when you can't get to him. I'm thankful for a God like that. Revelations 4, we get to the end of the book and we find out that you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. How many know if God creates it, he sustains it? Amen. I'm so glad I know my source. Some people are always blaming other people for things, and I know there's plenty of it out there, and I know there's plenty of tragedy, but I want you to know that if you're trying to get any affirmation from another human being or you're trying to get your, your acceptance from somebody else, you're looking to the wrong source. Well, that's good preaching anyways. I think I'll step back here and I'll use the greatest service model ever used on the planet Earth. This is a service model that works no matter where you are, no matter what you do. If you don't take your vertical relationship more seriously than your horizontal relationships, you will have trouble in life. There's two. It takes two, amen? I heard a sermon like that not too long ago. But you have to understand is you've got to get your source right before you get your horizontal relationships right. You need your vertical relationship right before you can have your horizontal relationship. And some people along this vertical relationship are trying to get acceptance. They're trying to get love. They're trying to get approval. And they're so busy blaming others because they're not giving it to them because they're looking for it from their horizontal relationships. You were never meant to get stuff from people. You were meant to be a giver. You were meant to be a person that is a resource to others. And I know that we have a, a limited tank, so we must get from God our, our download in order to give out what we need to give out to others. I'm using that as an example because I want you to know that we're supposed to live like this. Amen. We're supposed to live with our arms open and ask God to help us who we can serve and where we can be faithful and who can count on us. So I want you to know that we not only have to know that God is a God that we can count on, but I'm wondering today, can God count on you to serve others? It's a hard question, I know. And the third question I want to ask is, can others count on you? Can God count on you and can others count on you? The big idea is that, in fact, that so many people are trying to get from places they should not be trying to get from. Instead, they should be busy getting what God releases so that they have resource to give out to other people. When you run dry in yourself and when you, you, you go bankrupt in your own abilities and, and you realize that you don't have enough to do what you need to do, maybe, maybe step back to the cross. Maybe just go right back to the cross and find out that you need to get more from God than you give out to others. Amen? You need to seek your resource in Him. So what do you do? What is the question? We often ask people, what, what do you do? Where, we don't ask you know, where they, where they go sometimes or who they are. We often ask, what do you do? And I'm not going to use that as much of an illustration today as I want to, but I want you to know that when I ask you what you do, I'm not asking what you busy yourself with. 
I'm busy. I, I'm asking the question, what are you doing for God? Only because your doing flows out of your being. Amen? And you have to realize that being something to God is more important than just what you do. If someone asks me, what do I do? Well, I, I'm a pastor. Well, I, I, I do video installations on the side as a job. I, I do this and I do that. What, what am I doing? I'm not telling them who I am. I'm telling them what I do. We do that a lot, don't we? Well, well, well who are you? Well, I, I'm this or I'm this title or I'm that title. There, there's interesting things about titles. How many know that everybody wants a title? When you go to hire somebody, they want a, a nice title that they can tell everybody. Their title. I found 20 ridiculous job titles. Are you ready for these? I don't know if you're ready for this. Chief Flavor Officer. That's, that's a good title. It's called Bia Brands. And guess who's their Chief Flavor Officer? Justin Bieber. No, just kidding. It's Justin Timberlake. You don't know either one of those because you're saved, right? Justin Timberlake became Bia Brands' first Chief Flavor Officer. In other words, he'll help the beverage company launch products and develop new flavors. What does Justin Timberlake know about flavors? But he's got a title. How about this one? Galactic Viceroy of Research Excellence. There's a title. Put that on your business card. Here's a great title for a job that means you do cloud-related research for Microsoft. I could have got that from Galactic, right? His, much of the research that this person does is focusing on improving the quality of web applications. The individual that was previously in this title is now has an associate professor title at Harvard University. I guess you've got to be smart to have a Galactic Viceroy of Research Excellence title. Number three, fashion evangelist. I don't find that in the Bible. It's just not there. Tumblr has this person. Fashion evangelist. They're a person whose responsibilities include partnering with bloggers, designers, and fashion brands like Vera Wang and Calvin Klein. Clear as mud. That's exactly... Well, how about a paranoid in chief? That is a title. Yahoo, the company that you know about. Yahoo! That company has described their paranoid in chief as a person who makes um, their entire cybersecurity division work right. I don't know. They're called the paranoids in their cyber division. So there's also, this is fun, hacker in residence. There's that one. How about in-house philosopher? That's a good title. Google has that one. Even the, search, even the search giant needs someone to turn to when it has questions. The company literally employs someone whose job is to solve engineering problems using a humanistic perspective. I don't want that title. In-house philosopher. What about bacon critic? Oh, I could do that one. Can you do bacon critic? Time Incorporated has a bacon critic. He has eaten 31 different animals in the span of a month. We'll leave it to that. Is the Holy Ghost leaving the room? <laughs> Director of sound design at Facebook. Chief troublemaker at Matrix Group. These are true titles. Executive Sensei. I guess because, you know, Java Jedi and, you know, Network Ninja is not available. Executive Sensei. Digital, f digital Profit at AOL. Chief Storyteller, Master Clay Modeler. Did you know there was a title such as that? Ellen wants that job, right? Master Clay Modeler for Ford.
The job title actually lives up to, the, to its hype. For each new car that Ford rolls out, clay modelers build several full-size clay iterations until they refine it to the final model. The process can take up to two years. How would you like that job? Or you could have Chief Executive Unicorn at Powtoon. That's a company that just uh, spends a lot of time looking on the internet for things. I don't know, Dean of Pizza, anybody want that one? How about Happiness Hero? Would you like to be the Happiness Hero at Buffer? Chief Curator for eBay, I don't know. These are wonderful titles, but God has many titles and I'm just interested in asking you, are you able to be some of the things that God wants you to be? Look at 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 7. We need to be faithful. We need to be a, a church that is holy and righteous. Amen, somebody. And so I have, I have an illustration here because this is what I want to do. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count to their own master, worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Go on to the next verse. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service. Everyone say service. Because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit of these things uh, these things teach and exhort. Go on. And any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud. Hmm. I don't like that word. Knowing nothing but doing, but dotting about questions, strifes, words. There, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil, summons. Some surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, Supp uh, supposing that gain is godliness from such, withdraw thyself. What it's saying is there's a lot of things you can be, but there's better things you can be. The Bible says that David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Amen. So let me ask you something. If there's somebody here that's doing a job and they can't make it, if they were to throw that job to you, Oh, not so good, but we'll try again. Could you pick up the job? Because that's what the house of the Lord is supposed to be about. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be able to help each other when we need it. Can you throw that back to me? Can you be expected to pay a tithe? Oh, let's talk about offering for a minute. Can you be expected to teach a Bible study? Nice catch. Some of you are pretty good at this. I'm actually not. Can you teach a kid's class? Nice, Carla. Oh, see, I got mad skills, like a cat. Can you be expected to learn of the Lord and teach somebody else? Oh, see, that was a perfect throw and I dropped it. What about, can you be expected to start a Spanish Bible study? Oh, yes, he can. Amen, let's celebrate our Spanish service, amen, at 1.30. Can you be expected to play the piano when someone steps away? Absolutely. Dean can do that. The reason why I brought this is because it's nerf, and if I hit somebody in the face, I wouldn't get, you know, sued. <laughs> it's dangerous being a pastor nowadays. You never know. Can you be faithful in the moments whenever there's others that are trying to be faithful but can't be here? Just because someone's not here doesn't mean they're like, I don't want to be here. They could be just unable to get here. Can you prepare a message? Can you go soul winning? Can you bring people to the house of God? Amen. Can you go door to door and tell people about the Lord that you love and serve? Can you be leaned upon? Can you do the ministry of smiles when you come here?
just smiling at somebody can change their day. Amen? There's faithfulness in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be fervent in James 5 and 16. Can the Lord count on you to be fervent? Can you confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed? Amen? The effectual fervent prayer. Everyone say fervent. Prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent means to be active, efficient, to do, or be actually is the actual, to be effective, fervent, be mighty in, be mighty in prayer, show forth self-work. In other words, be efficiently working in prayer. Number three, we're called to be forgiving. How many have been forgiven by God? How many know you can be forgiven by God, but sometimes you have to work on forgiving others? Forgiving Ephesians 4.32 and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiven means to grant as a favor. How many people have you given the favor of forgiveness to? That's a good question. I wonder if we can just be willing to give people forgiveness on credit. Amen, somebody. Gratitude and kindness is in there as well. What about can God count on you to be forbearing? Do you know what forbearing means? It's not like it's not like a word that we use every day. Ephesians 4 and 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Everyone say in love. Forbearing means to hold oneself up against, figuratively to put up with. Have you put up with anybody in the church? Have you put up with anybody at work? Don't raise your hands. Especially not if it's the person sitting next to you that's your spouse. It's like, yes, I have put up with some stuff this week. They'll know. Just keep that under wraps. Bear with, endure, forbear, to suffer. Have you ever had to suffer for somebody else? That is what God is calling us to do. Can God count on you to forbear your brother and sister in love? Amen, someone. These words sum up what we should be as God can count on us so that he can do what he wants to do through us. Amen? Job is a mighty man. I think if you lost as much as he did, you'd be much more upset than he was. So his friends show up and they just sit silently for seven days. Sometimes when someone's going through a struggle, you don't have to do anything but be a, a ministry of presence. Just show up and be there. You don't have to find words to say. Just put your arm around him and say, I'm here. I'm here for you. And so Job spends his life serving God and all of a sudden this comes upon him. Lucifer shows up and he's talking with God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? We know the story. You know the story. He has seven sons and three daughters and 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. And the Bible says that he goes through all this stuff and then he loses everything, keeps on getting different reports in four different ones, livestock, family, all of this stuff happens. He loses everything. And, and a man who is great in all the yeast, as the Bible said, that's a lot. Everyone say that's a lot. He lost a lot. That's more than just losing your 401k or losing your retirement fund or losing some stock that you had invested in and it didn't go well. He lost everything. And so he's, he's there and his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? And in one point, Job even says, I, I, I detest the day that I was born. 
And he compares life and death to light and darkness. And he does a lot of comparison. And he does a lot of questioning of God. Aren't you glad we have this story to know that we can ask God why at times? And so he asks God a lot of things and his friends show up and they start to do what people do when they see things going wrong in your life. They start to think, you must be unspiritual. You must be doing something wrong. There must be some sin in your life. Anybody ever judge you that way? Anybody ever try to put a label on you and say, you must not be right with God because everything's going wrong. How about maybe we could change our mindset and say, maybe we're going through trouble because God trusts us and he can count on us to stay faithful in the good times and in the bad times. Job comes out of it and says, though he slay me yet will I trust him in Job 13 15 he said he's got my life he's got my hope he's got my dreams he owns my children he owns my livestock the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away blessed be the name of the Lord do you have a walk of God like that do you count on God and can God count on you like that where if he takes it you say God it's yours because if I live with my hands open to God he's always willing to give us more amen I'm not talking about a prosperity doctrine. I'm talking about the fact that when we live with open hand, instead of trying to hold on to everything, we live a satisfied life. Because if he took it, you didn't need it to get where God wants you to go. Amen? So we have to look at what God can do with a dedicated life. Dedication is a very, very powerful word. You can get a lot done if you're dedicated. Pulled up to a truck, a van, on the way here, I was getting off on Blue, or actually on Barker and Blue Mound right there, and there was a construction van in front of me, and it said, the impossible is possible. It just takes a little longer. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if a construction guy can have that kind of faith, how, how should I approach my God with my dedication today? If the impossible is actually what he does, he doesn't even know an impossibility. Amen. What a dedicated God we serve. We are needing to be dedicated. You can do more with less if you're dedicated to God. Amen. So I'm looking at what people did that are dedicated. I just went through my mind and I thought, who, who used amazing things to do awesome stuff? Look at Michelangelo. He was dedicated to his craft. Look at what he did with seven colors. He did more with less. Amen. Uh, don't don't let the devil tell you you don't have enough money to do a work for God. Don't let the devil tell you you don't have enough charisma or talent to teach a Bible study. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Oh, I know I got a church in here today when that excites you because God is talking to me about things we need to do. Look at look at what Beethoven did with seven musical notes. <laughs> we have ten numbers in our mathematics. Ten numbers. Look what Bernie Madoff did with it. <laughs> Oh, some of you didn't get that joke, but that's okay. Look at what you can do with less if you are dedicated, whether good or bad, you are dedicated. God will use you if you learn how to dedicate things to God that you, you cannot have control of. The thing that I love about God is, is when if you count on God, his ways are sure, and we can have contentment when we count on God. Amen? How many know the Bible still says that godliness with contentment is great gain? The world might try to tell you what you need to gain, but the Bible says that if you gain godliness and you gain contentment, that is the greatest gain, amen? And I'm grateful for that gain, but whenever you count on God, that's the only way you can have contentment. And that's the only way you can have great gain. But when God can count on you, hear me preach for a minute because I'm getting excited right about now. When God can count on you, he covers what you cannot count on. 
In other words, whenever you count on God, those that are unfaithful around you, those that are not accountable to you or accountable or you cannot trust them, God will cover those things and he'll make good on the things that are taken out of your life and he will make sure that whenever you have things in your life you cannot trust, he will be your trust. Amen? God covers us when we have those that cannot be trusted in our life. Just trust God. Amen? Can others count on you? Job 42 and 10. It says that whenever Job began to pray for his friends, his captivity was turned. Did you ever see that scripture before? Throw it up there for me, brother. Job 42 and 10. I can get it if I need to because I have it right here. 42 and 10, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. In other words, there are chains that are broken when others can count on you. There are things that change in your own life. There are breakthroughs that happen. You can expect breakthroughs in your life if others can count on you. Did you know that? That God looked upon Job and said, because he prayed for his friends and didn't look at his own trouble and, didn't, and took his self out of his view, took his self out of focus and said, I'm going to pray for somebody else. I'm going to talk to somebody else. I'm going to care about somebody else's needs. Whenever God sees you do that, you're not only counting on him and he's not only counting on you, but then he knows that others can count on you as well. And when that happens, breakthrough, I'm telling you, chains fall off of people's life when they see that you care about them, amen? When they know that they can count on you to be there that's why you have that inner turmoil whenever you've counted on somebody and they could not be counted on when you tried to trust somebody and they were untrustworthy and you have that ouch moment inside your heart and your emotions because you're like I trusted you I believed you would do this I believed you would be there when you said you would I, I planned on this and you broke those plans that's why you have those feelings that is a God thing brothers and sisters God wants you to know that you have to be accountable you have to be there on time it is christian behavior for you to show up at work on time when you say it's christian behavior for you to be at the house of god to hear the word of god on a regular basis it is powerful when you realize that others expect you to be accountable and that they count on you and when you do that if you have a kid if you have children Strive for excellence because you honor them and you help them and you live a sermon in front of them silently whenever you strive for excellence and God will do the rest, amen? Job's captivity was turned when he prayed for his friends and look what happened. He got double for his trouble. You know that. He got such a blessing back in his family that he lived four generations to see his son's sons. Bounced little great, great, great grandchildren on his lap before he went. A man who was sick unto death, covered in boils, and yet he recovered his health in God and went on to see the posterity, the posterity of the Lord. I want you to know that when you are accountable to God and when God can count on you and when others can count on you, that God will bless generations far beyond your life. Oh, I hope, I hope I haven't worn you out already. And uh, I know that we're getting along. I'm going to have you stand with me because I want, you to, I want you to feel what I'm feeling in this. Because whenever God calls us to be something, he then will give us what we need to do. There's four things I want to close with. You have to have these four things in your life to live a healthy, a healthy, loving, and wonderful life. Number one, 
is you have to become who you are called to be. Everyone say be. Not what do you do, but who are you? Because when you know who you are, you can go through any what. doesn't matter what comes against me if I know who I am in Christ. Amen? So you have to be something. Number two, to have a satisfied life, you have to give what you are. You have to do what you are supposed to do. When you be something, it releases you to do something. Amen? Because you're doing it according to the calling of God. Number three, you need someone to love. And David said that his faithfulness will crown you with love. Love is like a crown placed upon the head to faithful people, amen? Love is a byproduct of faithfulness. And then, number four, someone to believe in. That's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about you? That's who I serve and I love. And so I believe in him and God can count on me because of those four things live a satisfied life someone to be something to do someone to love someone to believe in I submit to you that that someone to believe in should be Jesus and when you walk in and out of this place every Sunday you're not coming here for a move of God when God fills you with his spirit he goes with you you walk in and out with Jesus so we're not here for a move of God. We are a move of God. And we have to remember that when we go into our mission field, which is the world, God is counting on you to be his hands and feet, whether that's serving somewhere this week, whether that's helping in some aspect, whether that's giving a little bit out of your wallet to somebody. I, I gotta be careful because I love to give. I'm a giver, that's my love language. We went to Youth Congress and I walked three blocks and gave away $15 and I was running out of money in my wallet because I'm a giver. And my wife's like, okay, let's go to the other side of the street. <laughs> she wasn't with me. I'm just kidding. But I have a natural giving tendency and I give till I'm empty. And the Lord said, you'll never be empty if you constantly stay understanding that you can count on me to fill you. And I don't know what you're going to do this week. I don't know if there's going to be a teller at a gas station, if there's going to be somebody for you to talk to. But there's going to be someone. If you start looking, you'll find them. The Bible promises that. Ask, knock, seek. You shall find. So this week, could you look for somebody? For God to count on you? To just say something. In passing, while you're talking to him, just say, God bless you. Or God loves you. Open the door and let God do something amazing in their life through you. Anybody willing to take up that challenge today? How many received this word from the Lord? Bow your heads with me, Jesus. What if there's someone at the end of their rope and we run into them in the store or we find someone that's not doing well? I pray that you'd help us to understand that prayer is powerful. Make us faithful. Make us fervent. Make us followers of you. Today, I pray that there's someone in this room that may be, may be struggling with their faith, which is giving them a hard time to believe in your faithfulness, God. I pray that faith is lifted up right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over doubt because of the knowledge that I have that your word 
brings faith to us. And the word has been preached, it's gone forward. And by the hearing of that word, we have faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I pray this word would give somebody faith to believe in your faithfulness and that they would take it to somebody else's life. Someone who says, I don't, I don't know if I can go on anymore. I don't know if I'm going to get through this divorce. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle what's going on in my brother's life. I don't know if I can handle the sickness my mom is going through. God, there's somebody right now carrying a heavy cross. And Lord, I'm asking you to, for them to get their vertical right so they can deal horizontally with what's going on in their life, Lord Jesus. Help somebody to work on their vertical in this place today. Let them tap into you, Jesus. I pray in Jesus' precious name that they not only find the strength from you, but they turn around and they say, Lord, you can count on me after all you've done for me. That cross was mine. That suffering was mine. That substitute you became makes it makes it needful for me to be counted on. Is there anybody I could ask today as I open this altar? There's some that want to come. If you want to step out, that's fine. But maybe just sit if you're not used to an altar call. Maybe take a, take a knee near where you are. But let's make this whole place an altar where we say, God, show me ways that you can count on me. There's somebody in here that may be called to a mission field. I'm, I've seen so many things happen in a service like this. I've seen so many changes in hearts in a service like this. Somebody's going to hear the word of God and they're going to say, God, maybe it's just this one area I want you to count on me in. God, I want you to count on me in my giving. I want you to count on me in my service. I want you to count on me in trying to have a cleaner tongue. I want you to count on me in trying to have less of a temper. I want, I want God, you to work with me and Let's work on some things together. He's right here today. Reach for him if you would. He'll find you. For he's near to all of us. Right now, would you reach for Jesus? Put your hope in him. I pray today. Eternal difference is made. yourself as a gift to the Lord today. Lord, I've got such a busy schedule. How do I do this? He'll help you. Just surrender to him. God, I want you to count on me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there.